everybody. Welcome to this uh, special episode of Learning the Tropes. I'm Aaron, And I'm Clayton. I'm the Romance Novel Veteran. And I'm the Virgin. And we are, um, we have a special guest this episode. I'm the producer, Producer Patty. <laughs> I'm here. We have Producer Patty here because we are doing a special movie episode. We are talking about Little Women 2019, Greta Gerwig. So we're excited. We all got together to talk about a movie that we all loved. Spoiler alert. Uh-huh. How could you not love this movie? Yeah. So I saw it a while ago. You guys just saw it a couple days ago. We mm-hmm. saw it Christmas Day. Right. You true. saw it at a screening. I did I'll s- pre-brag for you. <laughs> I did see it at a screening. And the only reason I'll say, uh, I wanted to say that was to brag. No. The only reason <laughs> I said that was because I, I might be a little foggier on it than you guys are because it's so fresh in your mind. Okay. But I did... Love it. Mm-hmm. I was very excited about it, and I told both you guys that it's going to be in your top fives. Oh, 100%. And, yeah, I think this is – this. I think Greta Gerwig did such a great job with modernizing it, but not in a way that makes it corny or – she didn't have anachronisms in it re- really. I mean, the way they spoke maybe was a little – I mean, they still spoke in the language, but they spoke in a way that I think is more modern. But there wasn't people – you didn't hear Smells Like Teen Spirit in it or something. You were always very scared that they were going to sing <laughs> Smells Like Teen Spirit. Well, I've heard this for months before well, you saw the well, movie. Well, because a lot of, like, I'm thinking of things like Marie Antoinette and movies like that where yeah. they try to modernize. Even Jojo Rabbit, which we won't get, we won't open that can of worms. Mm-mm. A it's, movie you uh, have not seen. A movie I have seen. He saw oh, and didn't saw like it. it. We're not talking about Jojo Rabbit. It's not a romance. It's not a romance. We're not talking about it. That movie had music in it that was from the 70s, 80s, and 60s when yeah. it was in the 40s. And I know that's how movies work, but I, I'm not a big fan of that. And yeah. and Little Women was pretty straight down the line a earnest telling of this story, which I loved. Yeah, and Ernest telling of a very, like, earnest, pretty, sappy book, too. Yeah. Now, what did you guys think? Because the, the way the story was told was it jumps back and forth in time, which was an interesting way to do it. And I know, Pat, you said you really liked that. I love that part of it. I, uh, because I, what if I, I've read the book forever ago, but more as like a, you know, elementary school or high school have to read. And I don't remember interacting with that as much. And I saw the movie. And I love the back and forth because it allows you to see the connections between the two sides of the story rather than, like, experiencing all of the childhood stuff and then all of the adult stuff totally separately. I loved it. It gives you context, like you said. And it's a lot about Joe being a writer, Mm -hmm. like a ton of it. It Mm -hmm. starts with her trying to sell her stories as an adult. Mm-hmm. To Tracy Letts. Those Ooh. scenes are so great. Oh, Tracy Letts, what a gem. He's, He's amazing. So, so, again, so I got to see a, an early screening of this, and I also got to see a conversation between Tracy Letts and Greta Gerwig. That's amazing. And his first question to her was, why did you think this was a good idea? <laughs> but he meant it in a way that was, this is such well-trod territory how how brave do you have to be to do this again? Especially when 94 is a long time ago. I always feel like it's not that long ago. But that seems to be kind of a definitive Little Women mm-hmm. to a lot of people. I know you you like the 94, right, a lot? Love the 94 version, yeah. So 
her doing it, especially after doing Lady Bird, which Greta Gerwig directed Lady Bird, which was a really well-loved, smaller film, to tackle something this big seemed like a choice. It's a big choice to Mm -hmm. make. And I think she totally nailed it. She said in the Q&A that Joe March was the reason she started writing. I I do love... I get how it could be a little confusing. The way this movie is structured is basically every other scene is either childhood or current times, you know, them adult time. And I get how, like, there could be a little bit of confusion watching this. But to me, it was pretty clear all the way through. But I love that it's the same actors playing young and old because it allows you to care about them in a way that's tougher when it goes from one actor to another actor playing the same character. So that's why Scorsese did the same thing with Irishman. Yes. <laughs> this is very much like the Irishman, Irishman for women. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I, the structure of it I thought was amazing, too, because it is a lot about how childhood memories also work, where you remember something because you are in that same situation again. Um, obviously, this is going to be spoiler-filled of a 158-year-old book, but when Beth dies, the way that... Greta does it where is she Beth gets sick with scarlet fever because she's with the Hummels and the baby gets sick and then she survives that bout but later dies and it's she basically has the scenes going at the same time Um, and that's sort of like the way that memory works you're triggered by different things and I really liked that idea of a way to view childhood because a lot of the book and and what Joe's story is about is about not wanting to leave childhood that's why she gets really mad at Meg when Meg decides to get married because she realizes there's a chapter of her life that's ending that she doesn't want to have end Um, and it's also sort of why she doesn't want to marry Lori I mean I think they were not suited for each other and they should not have gotten married but um it's also she doesn't want to close that door on on having the amount of freedom that she's able to have like as a child and an unmarried woman that she sort of wouldn't have as a married woman. When she has she has this big speech about why why does it always have to be about love? Why does it uh, why can't a woman just be a woman without being always looking for a man? But also it's really lonely to have that existence. I thought that was such a great speech and it didn't come off as this is the girl power speech. It was a genuine expression of when you're a creative person and you are going down a different path and you're not going by the social mores how lonely and difficult that can be and even more so for a woman who's expected at that time and even now <laughs> expected to settle down with somebody it i thought it was really powerful and i think Cher Ronan is such a amazing actress i will always see anything she's in even if it doesn't seem like it will interest me <laughs> she's just really powerful oh i thought she was great um so the romance in this movie is joe and lori are they always, and I guess obviously they don't end up together, but is every iteration, whether it's the book or the movies, do people always wish that they had ended up together? Like it seems like the, especially the when, when the book is told chronologically and it's all of them for the first half and then in the second half they don't end up together, it seems like that would be disappointing. And I think the way this movie did it where it kept going from you know, back and forth through time, it actually made that blow a little easier because we see in the future that they don't end up together before she rejects him in the past, which I thought was great because who she ends up with, it actually seems like they have a history together 
in a way that is harder to do when you don't meet them until the end of the book. Yeah. So a few things about that. So uh, Little Woman was originally two parts. Mm -hmm. So in the first part, I don't know where it ended, but like people were obsessed with her and Laurie getting together. Mm -hmm. And then... Were they like the first shipped couple? (laughs) Maybe. Yeah, probably. Like if there had been internet in the 1860s, it all would have been memes of Joe and Laurie together. Yeah. I think Jesus and Mary Magdalene would have gotten some heat. They would have got some heat. Ishmael yeah. and uh, Ahab, probably. <laughs> Those were the big three shipped couples yeah. pre-Twilight. <laughs> yeah, totally, 100%. <laughs> uh, well, and also I think it's like, as if you're thinking of it as like a, like a literary story and stuff, it's like Lori represents childhood. And something that I really loved about the way that Greta did this, like she did everything perfectly. Like she made a perfect movie. But... Our friend Greta. Our friend Greta. I saw her once outside of a soul cycle. She's very tall and she shook her head at me like, don't recognize me. And I said, no problem, girl. I'm going to keep walking. I don't really have anything to say. So um, in a very kind way. I'm not saying she's a bitch. Anyway, so um, but it's how much movement the girls had. Like the sisters were in constant states of movement of like running on top of each other, jumping, moving this. Amy's always standing on furniture. Like it, it, it's a constant movement. And so then whenever you see men in that space, they're always like stock still. And I really loved that juxtaposition. And the only time that Lori really moves is um, when he's with Joe, mm-hmm. when they're sort of playing. And they play in a very, like, physical way of, like, running. And they chase each other. And they hit each other. And they, you know, all of these. Um, spin around on ice skates. Spin around on ice skates. I mean, the first time that Lori sees or has, like, an independent scene with Amy, he's standing on a sofa looking at her, which I think is great, too. Foreshadowing. Um, what else I loved is that like Lori's introduced with Amy like we see them together yes. as the eventual couple that's how we <clears throat> meet him so it's you sort of feel in a way that I think in the other iterations it always comes as like out of left field that like Lori and Amy come home from Paris together like this is like oh this was an eventuality like there was more time spent on them having a relationship because so, I loved the 94 version I've seen it 100 billion times but something that's creepy is like Christian Bale, I don't know how old he was when he made that movie, but probably in his, like, early 20s, like, late teens. And Kirsten Dunst was, like, 12 or 13. So, like, seeing them meet with that big of an age difference is, like, hard to then get over, even when she is Samantha Mathis. It's, like, a little – it's always, like, a a little bit creepy where this – even that it was just Florence Pugh the whole time, that – age distance still probably existed, but it didn't feel as creepy. I think Amy is a – and I don't know. I just was reading about Little Women to get a little bit of uh, understanding of it. And I guess Amy is the most, uh, I don't want to say disliked, but the least liked of the girls historically. Yeah, well, Amy's like a brat. But I think Florence Pugh really gave her some humanity in a way that other Amys haven't in the past, according to what I've read. I'm a big Florence Pugh fan. I think she's amazing. She oh. was in Fighting With Your Family which I think was a really fun movie, wrestling movie, but also she was amazing in Midsommar. If you're not easily creeped out, I would say watch that movie. Her performance is stunning. And she made Amy somebody who wanted to be an artist and then gave it up because she just didn't want to try hard. She just wanted to have a husband, but she imbues it with humanity in a way that I don't think other actresses maybe could. Well, you understood why. Like this movie, I loved how much this movie was about logistics and money. 
And because of that, you could understand when the characters did something like give up a passion, an art passion, or like get married for practical reasons because like, yeah, you have to because that's what society was then. And that's how the the economics were of the time. Yeah. So like it made sense when Amy did go along with her aunt that, yeah, I've got to marry to for financial reasons because otherwise I'm fucked. Her aunt played by Meryl Streep. Oh, who was also. I, yeah, and that's what I loved about this iteration, too, is, like, everyone got, everyone felt human. Like, even Aunt March, who normally is, like, a, played pretty stuffy, she doesn't really have a backstory. And not that Meryl Streep got a backstory, but Meryl Streep is just so fantastic that you felt a backstory that maybe didn't even exist of, like, why she was upset and the way people interacted with her and also, what she's like, why why she brought Amy to Paris instead of Joe, which is always like a bit of contentious, and it's weird when that is brought up. And in oh, in the ninety four vo- version, Joe rejects Lori, and then Amy comes home and is like, oh, sorry, you rejected Lori. Also, Aunt March is going to Paris, and Joe gets all excited, and then it's like dashed mm-hmm. because Amy's going instead. Uh, this one, you made sense why she was making those decisions, but yeah, yeah, it made totally because in this one. The aunt is like, I want to help one of these girls marry rich. Joe has made it clear she ain't doing that. So I'm going to take the one who has the best prospect of marrying rich. So like when she took Amy instead of Joe, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Joe shouldn't go there. She should go right. And Amy should go find a rich guy in Paris at all. It all checks. Um, And. I think that, yeah, doing it, like you said, where you introduce Amy and Lori so early, it doesn't make Amy seem like a bad guy for ending up with Lori. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, they were already going to be together. Um, So Timothy Chalamet is Lori. He's the best. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about – I want to get a female perspective because the only perspective I have is my own, which I think he is – a heartthrob. Right. Clayton and I would fuck him. So that's, I, 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 yeah, that's already been established. I think he's inherited the floppy-haired young guy that is non-threatening but romantic. That throne from Leo. Yes. And mm. he is this generation's Leo in Titanic, I feel, because when you see him around, he's, I mean, he's very, he's just beautiful. He's a beautiful person. Yeah. And the way he just purports himself in public seems very – I don't know anything about the guy. But just he's going to basketball games with Laura Dern. Him and Saoirse Ronan's friendship makes him seem so non-threatening and somebody who could be romantic and, and not scare you as a young girl, like a 13, 14-year-old. Or even like a 10, 12-year-old, right? So If Tiger Beat still exists, he should be on the cover. Oh, yeah. Because that's... Him and Harry Styles have the same sort of like mm-hmm. non-threatening, almost... Uh, Harry Styles non-threatening, though? I, I I think that Harry well, is Harry pretty Well, Harry Styles fucks more than Timothy Chalamet. We don't know if that's true. I don't know about that. But I think they're true. in the same zone. They, they probably are, fuck they, equally. Yeah. Okay. And they're both... If Tiger Beat exists, it should be revolve around those. The two. only reason why I say Harry Styles maybe isn't as non-threatening is because he's a he's a musician. Yes, he's a rock and roller, and in people's mind that that's drugs and debauchery, even if it's not true. Timothy seems like he's the he's an actor, so he's focused on his craft, and he's he's very he can emote and he can you know do all these things that that's why I look at him as like Leo in Titanic. It's just that scene on the hill where he's 
just letting his hair go all over the place and he's and he's saying to to Joe like I love you this can work and she says no it can't it's so heartbreaking and I think that scene is going to be I was going to say rewound but there's no VHSs anymore <laughs> but like it's going to be it's back gonna be 15 back 15 so many times they're going to scrub back scrub back scrub back right on that scene what do you think Aaron of- Lori. Oh, just Lori. Wonderful. A great Lori. Yeah. And all, he played him with like a boyish charm that I think, you know, to keep talking about the 90, like to the 94 version, like Christian Bale always was like in an adult man. Like, okay. The same, like there were some parallel, like the same scene of like Christian Bale comes out of the closet when he joins the club there, um, like the players. But in that he's dressed as Batman. <laughs> No. He's got he got really skinny like he did in the machinist. <laughs> <laughs> so he's just skin and bones. Yeah. Timothy the whole time he does feel like more like a better Lori and like a truer version of a Lori. And also like a like with he played him with a like a little bit of melancholy because also like Lori has a very tragic life. Like he's an orphan. He was raised in Italy. That's not tragic. That's wonderful. But like and then ends up, you know, having to move to Massachusetts with his grandfather, who's like pretty emotionally constipated, it seems, played by Christopher Cooper, who's amazing. But he that that part also, Chris Cooper as the grandfather is so heartbreaking. Oh, he does such a phenomenal job. He is amazing at it. Dies. He can't even go in to the house to like talk to the family. He's so heartbroken. Because he gave her, he let her use the piano that his daughter had, and she had passed. And then he, they moved the piano into that into the um, little women's house, and it's just so heartbreaking. Because when he's introduced, he seems kind of stuffy and strict and a bad guy, but he's not. Mm-mm. Nobody in this film is a bad yes. person, and it's so hard to find any movie. That's like that. But that doesn't mean that people don't get mad at each other. That doesn't mean that there's not conflict. Like when Amy burns Joe's novel, that is such a hideous thing to do to somebody. But it makes sense because when you are related to somebody, you know, things you do to your brothers and sisters are terrible because you're so close and the connection is so there and your feelings are so raw. And you know the one thing that can really destroy them. It's devastating, but that doesn't make her a bad person. Yeah, well, that's a little bit of her personality, though. Like, she is a vindictive. She goes immediately for the jugular. Like, she sees things in black and white. And you see that softening as she grows older and she has gets more perspective on things. But, like, no, as a child, she's awful. I get it when people say they don't like Amy. I love Amy and I love Joe. I think Meg and Beth are snoozes. That's well, my hot take. Amy, Brat recognized Brat. Brat recognized you, Brat, yeah. and I am a Brat. Yeah. I would 100. If my, <laughs> I don't have a sister. If she did write a novel and then she didn't take me to a play, I would burn oh, the shit out of it. You would. <laughs> Man, yes. Uh, Beth is there to die. I remember the '94 version what? and even the book. Her death is so much more of a central part of the story. And like in this version, it was obviously very emotional and you felt the connection between them and you felt the sadness. But this movie doesn't it's not maudlin in a way that I feel like I remember the 94 version being like, that's the climax of the movie. Mm -hmm. And that's not what this movie is about. Um, which I liked a lot, which I think is a thing they had to do. She did a lot of great things to make this version be worth doing it again. Yeah. You know, and I think that was a big thing is like we're not going to make 
the sister death be the emotional high point of this story. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I was pretty skeptical because I loved the 94 version so much and it was so fundamental to me and I think like my personality Uh and where I wanted to position myself in the world. I think like it was for, well, I don't want to speak for Greta, but it seems like it was also like pretty big for her. She's, I mean, at the Q&A, she did say that it was a a huge part of her, like growing up, she read Little Women like numerous times. Yeah, Um, and so... I was sort of like, well, why are we doing this? And right now in the culture, there's so much about nostalgia. And, like, I think nostalgia can be, like, a really uh, destructive force for culture in general. And so I was like, oh, why are we doing this? But so why are you wearing all those slap bracelets? <laughs> yeah. She's wearing skids. <laughs> talking about nostalgia. <laughs> <laughs> and everything is neon. Yeah. You've got jellies on. Yeah, and I have that stuff that where you put your hand on it and then it changes. Technicolor. Oh, what is it? No, not it's not technicolor. No, what's it called? I know exactly what you're talking about. Cause, mm-hmm. Yeah, you would put your hand on. You remember these shirts? No. You would put oh. your hand on it. Your handprint would show because it changed. It's a day glow. God, no. We got to look that up. Anyway, uh, but what she managed to do was like really freshen it up and make it a story worth telling and making it a story that is like reflective of the culture now in a way that isn't so like tongue in cheek like. You see how this is like now, how mm-hmm, women have mm-hmm. to make these choices. It, it's just showing two different ways of like how they would support their families, like Amy by marrying a rich guy and Joe by becoming a rich man, basically. Right, right. And then which sister is Emma Watson again? Meg. Meg. <clears throat> and is Meg usually a sort of forgettable-ish side character? Yeah. I mean, I think Meg gets more in this. Like, normally there's not that much. Normally what happens is, like, Meg gets married and then basically falls off the face of the earth. Uh-huh. They had that whole thing where she marries a teacher who's not She always rich. marries Lori's uh, tutor. Yeah. But, but uh, they, like, showed more of, I feel like they, like. They showed more of Meg as an adult and, like, yeah. the whole thing of, like, her buying that fabric. Like, that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, the big story is her going to the ball where they, like, give her a different name and give her a dress. Mm-hmm. and. In the 94 version, they talked a lot more. So, like, the the Alcots, and I think, like, by extension, then the marches were trans um, transcendentalists, which was, like, a philosophy of the time. Uh, like, um, Henry David Thoreau was a transcendentalist. Uh, and a lot of it was about, like, um, they abstained from, like, wearing silk because they used a slave labor in the silk and cotton and different things. And so, like, it was more of a scandal that she was wearing a silk dress. Because gotcha. it was sort of going against her family's morals in a way that, like, isn't really brought up in this, which is, like, fine. Um, but, yeah, that's always, like, Meg's big set piece. And then she comes home and then she marries Mr. Brooks and then you never see him again. She's gone. Yeah, yeah. she was good in this. She named her daughter Daisy, which is also the name that they give her at the ball, which I always thought was, like, kind of funny. Oh, yeah, that's cute. Yeah, no, I thought Emma Watson was good. Emma Watson is – I think we were talking about this – you look at her career now, she is only been in like these iconic parts because she is Belle in Beauty and the Beast. Then she is, you'll get a little older and she's your Hermione. And then she's one of your little women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like she's like the equivalent of like an actor who has played, you know, Batman and James Bond <laughs> and I don't know, is there, and The Godfather. Yeah. <laughs> like all of those. <laughs> 
Yeah, Emma Watson, like her agent calls her and she's like, is it iconic? Yeah. Right. <laughs> I think we're going to have to pass. So it is It is funny because she, for me, nothing against her. I think she's perfectly fine. She's the least of the draw for me to see this movie. But I think for younger people, she is one of the lead draws because, like you oh, said, 100%. she is Hermione. grown up with her. And to see her succeed in the way she's she has and being able to graduate from Harry Potter into bigger films and more iconic, well, similarly iconic films, I think it's really impressive. But for me, she she doesn't, I think the only thing I really liked her in was uh, Perks of Being a Wallflower. Did you ever see that movie? No. It's a good movie. But not as that, iconic not, as Belle. Yeah, not I mean, as yeah. iconic as Belle. Pat yes. and I have a two-year-old niece, so we have seen Beauty and the Beast a few times. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, Hypercolor was the shirts. They're uh, called Hypercolor shirts. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, I like that they gave Meg more, and also I, I think something that the, this version does that maybe other versions don't as much is show like the consequences of decisions. So you mm-hmm. see Meg... For marrying a poor man, what ends up happening to her life and sort of like what she's giving up for marrying him. And he seems like a perfectly nice man who definitely like loves her. But she always was a little vain and she always liked kind of then finer things in life. And then, uh, you know. But now Amy's married to Lori. Lori's got all that family money. Like, oh, yeah. I'm and sure Lori they'll won't... buy they'll buy Mega Condo. Oh, yeah. She's getting a condo for <laughs> yeah. sure. And it's like, yeah. And Lori's not going to say no to Meg. Right. She'll get that silk dress. Oh, yeah. That's Christmas time. I love, too, at the end of this one, how it was like a like just having a dinner with everybody together. And I you don't see that normally in these movies of just like, oh, and this is just like everyone hanging out during the last 10 minutes, which I lived for. And it Uh reminded me of like a wallflower Christmas. Like we're just coming back to check up on everybody and everyone is doing uh, so good. Yeah. That's how the, the, that's what little women reminded me of because I have more context for wallflowers than little women. I was like, Oh, they're just like the wallflowers. Mm -hmm. But I enjoyed their interactions as sisters. Not the wallflowers aren't all sisters, but they're, you know, sisters that the way they would joke around and throw things at each other and all that stuff. It made, it reminded me of what I love so much about the wallflowers. Yeah. But, what, yeah, I love seeing all the family together. What did we think about who Joe ends up with? I I mean, and this is the big spoiler of the movie. So, like, if you haven't seen the movie, like, I would fast forward a little bit because this is so well done. Louisa wrote the book in two parts, and she never intended for Joe to marry anyone. Louisa herself was unmarried her whole life. And I think... Um, she did it to sort of appease people. And you see in this book that her Joe's uh, editor, Tracy Letts, is saying you have to have her marry someone. And so she's just like. Or be dead. Or be yeah. dead. She has to die or get married. What a <laughs> Either way, it doesn't line. matter. <laughs> so she just sort of throws it in there. And you see in this movie that it's almost like a wink of like, maybe this happened, maybe it didn't. Like, maybe we're just watching the story now that she wrote and not what really happened. Maybe this mm. is what really happened doesn't really matter it's such a throwaway and i loved it for that part because you know as much as like Lori represents childhood professor bear represents adulthood and that like he is pushing um joe with her writing and he doesn't say that she's fantastic where everyone in her life who's closer is like you're amazing you're amazing he's like you know you, you could use some work um and you see how he's also like the adult choice but also like did she need to make any choice maybe not mm-hmm but 
yeah. I loved I the ending is really what made it for I like I love the movie full stop, but like the the ending made it for me. Mm-hmm. So then this movie is romantic, but it's not a romance. It is a romance for Amy and Laurie. But is that the central relationship in this movie? I would not say this is a romance movie. I would say this is like a movie with romantic elements. Okay. That's what I would say. Yeah. Well. I would say it's it's equally about romance and finance. Yeah. Which <laughs> what which is what you love. I love a finance novel. <laughs> that loves finance. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I love every decision was based around money. Yeah. Like even with Meg buying that dress, it was so much about like, well, if we if we get this dress, you can't have a winter coat. And I'm like, that's that's great. I love that decision. <laughs> Dress or winter coat. You can't have them both. <laughs> you just you just like the first twenty minutes of uh, a Christmas Carol, where it's just like him in the office. Yes, I liked I liked uh, Tiny Tim's dad just going through the books. <laughs> he just shuts it off. At What's that. Tiny like, Tim's dad's name? He's a big character. Bob Cratchit. Bob Cratchit. Yeah, I like. I just want to follow Bob around doing his <laughs> job. Um, yeah. Is there anything we love this movie? It's a triumph. Uh, it should be a huge box office hit yes. if there's any justice in this world. Oh, it should be nominated for I mean it should be nominated for script and director at a minimum, I yes. would say. Oh, then Shersha, you've got to nominate for best actress. Oh, and Florence Pugh because for best also supporting. Like, oh, yeah. Cuz what she did with Amy was amazing. Like what she gave Amy. And like a lot of it was also like Greta giving her the words and the direction and everything in those scenes, but like she made Amy somebody like even when she was burnt like this was the first time she burned the novel and it was funny. Because also, yeah, the costuming I think should be nominated too. I love, you know, I think in so many, a lot of costume dramas, they want that just to be like these overly beautiful dresses. But you saw that these women were also wearing like pants under their skirts and hiking up their skirts. And they interacted with the clothes in a way that I don't, you don't always see. You won't see in like an Austin adaptation necessarily. And I loved that too. Because that's also was like the style of the time was... Amelia Bloomer was around was like dress reform so it it all made sense period wise as well and then um but that when she <laughs> when she's burning the thing she has angel wings on and a corset and that's all she's wearing and she's just like maniacally burning stuff and that's comedy that's so funny and that isn't like that's her that she brings that to the to the character so yeah I love mm-hmm. this movie for everybody it's a great movie. It doesn't matter that the name of it is Little Women. It's about more than that. It's about finance. It's about <laughs> love. It's about creativity mm. and the sacrifices you make to be a creative person. Yeah. And I think anybody who has any interest in any of that should run out and see this movie. See it in the theater because that's the way to see it. Mm-hmm. And if you can see, you know, Greta Gerwig and Tracy Liss talk afterwards, <laughs> I mean, that's the best way to see it, but it's not always, you know, not everybody has that opportunity. No. Yeah. But, Good for yeah. you. <laughs> That's a little Christian Bale reference. <laughs> but, yeah, I think it's great, and it's a must-see. Oh, must-see. It's a must-see. Must-see. So good. So good. And then also read the book? Yeah. Also read the book. Listen, Louisa May Alcott, I do love that she – well, something that I read was that the negotiation that Joe makes for – her book, Little Women, is the same deal that Louisa May Alcott got. To own the her own copyright? Yeah, she owned the copyright and all this stuff, which I love. Because she franchised that, right? There's Little Men, there's like she three different Little sequels. She wrote Little Men and she wrote another one. Yeah, Good for her. But she, <laughs> there's all these. So, so she invented IP. Yeah. 
So she also uh, lorded that over her family for the rest of their lives. Like, she should have. All these stories of her just being like really trying to interfere with everyone's life because she's like, I have all the money and I love that for her as well. So yeah, bye little woman. Yeah, and we actually could because it's in public domain, isn't it? Yeah. So we, as Learning the Tropes, could publish uh-huh. our own version of Little Women and sell it. And we could make our own Little Women movie if we wanted. We could. I mean, but it's easier probably to just cut and paste the mm-hmm. Little Wait, Women. Why are we publishing it? Because, because we, can. we can. All right. And we just slap our names on it. Yeah. I mean, we wouldn't say, we would say presented by Learning the Tropes. Right. Okay. We'd put like a little preface, you know. Yeah, yeah. We'd put the transcript of this episode in the front. So you get that. Like when Kirk Cameron published Origin of the Species himself and made a foreword debunking it. Oh, I didn't know that. that. <laughs> this would ju- be just like that. No, we but we would wouldn't debunk be debunk little women. No, we wouldn't be debunking anything. No, no, but we I'm would bunk it. We'd be like Kirk Cameron, but we wouldn't be like the bad part of Kirk Cameron. Right. I mean, I do like that a bunch of Kirk Cameron fans ultimately bought Origin of the Species and read it. Like, well, they bought it for the forward. Oh, and uh, you don't think they kept reading? And then they just threw, then they burned for the it. dry scientific. <laughs> His forward said, like "Burn after reading." <laughs> yeah. But I think that's what we should we should do that. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, but you guys can knock yourselves out. Well, your name's going to be on it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so look for that. Yeah. Look for link, my name. Link in the show notes. <laughs> All right. So anything else on the movie? Love it. Love it. Should love be up for it. best director, best picture. Best everything. Best should ever- we have since we're doing? We did last Christmas. We did a review of that. Should we have our patented? thumbs up or thumbs downs kind of thing for learning the tropes. Did we patent thumbs up or thumbs down? No, no, no. Like that's patented. Oh, oh, somebody so else what's, patented. So what's ours? Oh. We do not own. We we can publish Little Women, but we cannot do thumbs up or thumbs down. No, we will not live long enough for the thumbs to fall into the public domain. <laughs> yeah. What do you what do you want it to be? Uh, I don't swoon know. or no swoon? Swoon or no swoon is good. What do you think, Pat? Would you fuck this movie? <laughs> would you fuck this movie? Um, I would fuck this movie, of oh, course. Yeah, yeah so you've got to fuck this movie. I would fuck this movie and everyone in it. Uh-huh. 100%. But just because you want to fuck a movie doesn't mean you want to fuck the people in it, though. Right. Okay. The yeah. movie is what we want to fuck. Yeah. yeah. The quality of the movie. <laughs> I would fuck this movie, yes. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Great. Cool. All right. So where else could people find the two of you? All right. So if you saw the movie, if you have thoughts, you can always email us at learningthetropespodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram at learningthetropes and we are on Twitter at learningtropes. Learning the Tropes is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you love at frolic.cs backslash podcast. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.